Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reiki Radio. I am your host, Yolanda, and I am very happy to be here today with you to share this conversation that I had with someone named The Quit Doctor. His name is Dr. Stan, and he is going to talk to us about quitting being the last principle of success. So I think this is a very timely conversation given that a lot of people um, have been sending me emails about some big choices that they are faced with in life right now and kind of um, dealing with a lot of what is coming up for them. And as you all know, I mean, our lives are constantly changing. We are constantly changing and growing. And sometimes when we want to make changes in our lives, we don't always trust ourselves or we um, get stuck in a place of fear, which may hold us back. And, you know, it's just a crazy cycle. So if you are struggling at all with goal disengagement, you know, that's like having a hard time of knowing when to quit or how to quit, or perhaps you are in fear of being judged for making a decision to change your current direction. Whatever it is, again, you've changed a lot throughout your life, right? If you look back 10 years, your life may look very different today than it did back then. And that could be changes in our career, our relationships, but even our own points of view and patterns. It's just all part of our growth. But today I want you to ask yourself if you allow yourself to quit things successfully, and that's what Dr. Stan is going to talk to us about today. So he has been become known as the quit doctor because of his relentless determination to heal the world of the stigma and shame associated with the concept of quitting. And his latest book, Quit, The Last Principle of Success, provides a clear structure for learning how to quit successfully and knowing when to quit as a means of supporting your personal achievements. Now, Jack Canfield, the creator of Chicken Soup for the Soul, predicts that this book will be a bestseller, and he said that Dr. Stand is one of the coolest people that he's ever met. So really quickly, I just want to give you a little background. Um, Dr. Stanley grew up in a project building on the south side of Chicago. He pleaded temporary insanity and joined the Marine Corps, and then he trained as a lawyer and earned a doctorate in business. Now he's an author, coach, and speaker, and he's currently sharing his insights to support people on their paths of personal development. So I hope that you all learn something, get inspired from Dr. Stan, get comfortable, and enjoy the show. everyone. Welcome to this episode of Reiki Radio with our special guest, Dr. Stanley, the Quit Doctor. Welcome to the show. Hey, Yolanda, how are you doing? I'm doing absolutely fabulous and I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation because um, before we get into it, I just want to show everyone your book and share the title, Quit, The Last Principle of Success. So, I mean, just the title of the book alone was very intriguing. So I'm excited about this conversation. So thank you again for being here. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So one of the first things I have to ask is how is quitting the last principle of success 
period. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that is an excellent question. Um, the we recognize that co- that um, there are a there's a long laundry list of things that people would consider as principles of success. Right. And for most people, quitting is not on that list. Uh, so there, that's why quitting is the last principle of success because people don't recognize quitting as a success principle. Now, the question is, why is quitting a success principle? And the reason why quitting is a success principle is because we, we actually have it wrong. You know how we always say winners never quit and quitters never win? Well, I think that's a myth. It's wrong. It's a fallacy because, in fact, successful people quit all the time. And we know of many successful people who have, have quit things. Uh, Michael Jordan quit baseball and won a three-peat. Uh, We know that The Rock quit wrestling, became a superstar action hero. Schwarzenegger quit being an action hero and became a governor. So we know that successful people really do quit all the time. So we ought to stop thinking of quitting as this taboo thing to do. And when we recognize that, we can then allow ourselves to disengage from things that don't work and re-engage to the things that do. You know, I'm glad you point that out because I think, and again, just hearing that um, initially, because it isn't something that, you know, I've ever heard, people do wonder, and we have been so ingrained with how, you know, quitters never win. But I have to ask you too, because on the other side of that, in your opinion, how does resistance to quitting impact us? Because that must do something to us when we're clinging to things that we don't like or don't feel good. That is one of the biggest problems with us not being able to let go of those things that don't work for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, It actually leads to problems with our physical and mental health. So by not quitting things, by not letting go of those things that are, that just don't work for us, it causes a stress in our lives. And then that stress will impact all parts of our uh, body. It'll impact our brain. It'll impact our heart, our lungs, Uh, It'll impact other uh, internal organs as well as um, our mental faculties. So not being able to quit, in other words, being reluctant to give up things that don't work for us is literally preventing our happiness and preventing our success. Yeah. And, you know, before we get into the four steps that you outline in the book, which is very good. And I want to just point out as well, I know the four steps you're going to point out, but there are so many beautiful examples that you give in the book that really clarify all of this. But I have to ask what it even inspired this for you. So my son is uh, in the United States Marine Corps. He's an officer and he was approaching his uh, end of his, his first tour of duty. And he was trying to decide, should he get out? Should he get in? He called me up one day. He says, Dad, um, I'm getting to the end. I'm trying to make a decision if I should reenlist. And my advice to him was that he should stay in. He should uh, take advantage of the benefits. Um, He's 23 years old. Uh, He's an officer in the Marine Corps. There's, There's a lot of prestige that goes along with that. And he can retire in 20 years. He'll be like 43 years old. And he can still have his entire life ahead of him. So as I was giving him this advice, I recognized that everybody else was saying the same thing to him. But then it occurred to me, what if he doesn't want to stay in the Marine Corps? He doesn't have to be in there 20 years. And then that that night I went to sleep and then something 
came into my consciousness and it was one word and that word was quit. But the next day I woke up and I called him up and I said, look, you don't have to stay in the Marine Corps. You should quit. If you want to get out, get out, do whatever you want to do with your life. And that's when I recognized that we as a society are giving people advice. We're telling people to do things because we think that this is what they ought to be doing. When in fact, if it's not working for them, we should not be giving them that advice. Mm -hmm. So I've come up with this new term. You're familiar with the concept of uh, fat shaming. Mm -hmm. So I've come up with this term, quit shaming. And quit shaming is the notion that we look at people with um, disgust. We, we actually look at people who quit things and we, we view them as failures. And I think that that is a bad thing on an emotional level. And I, I think that we need to stop doing that. But that's how I, I came up with the concept originally. You know, it's really interesting you say that too, because it also makes me think of how many times so many of us cling to or stand things out of fear, um, you know, we'll stay and be very uncomfortable just because of the fear of the unknown or fear of being judged or, you know, the laundry list. But then we may see other people who have this ability to quit and try new things and be very envious, like almost like it's some kind of superpower, right? So <laughs> uh, it is a, a very interesting concept. And I think one that obviously has been um, misunderstood in terms of the impact of knowing when to quit, which is something you cover in the book. So before I ask you about that, I do, uh, I would love if you would share with everyone this acronym and how these are the four steps that are highlighted in the book. So sure. give us the acronym. What are these steps? <laughs> so what I've, what I've done is I've, I've studied, I've read every book that I could find on the subject of quitting. And I've studied every theory that I could get my hands on. And I developed this four-step process. Um, so in other words, I boiled everything down in relation to quitting to these four simple steps that anyone can use. And it doesn't matter. If you work in a job you hate, if you're in a relationship that is very bad or very toxic, uh, if you have a negative uh, mentality, you, you, you are engaged in a bad habit and you want to give, give the thing up, these four steps will apply in any of those cases. The four steps are, I use the acronym QUIT, Q-U-I-T. The Q, which is the first step, stands for quit quickly. Quit quickly. The idea behind step number one is that we need to recognize when things don't work as fast as possible. And if you can understand that something is not working for you, maybe your priorities change, maybe this thing is unattainable, the sooner you can come to that conclusion, the more healthy, the more success you're going to have in your life. Uh, there's this, um, it, and I told the story in the book uh, about the Ringling Brothers Circus. In last year, Ringling Brothers just went out of business. They had been in business for 146 years. And last year, they went out of business because of the animal rights activists. They said that they had been abusing the animals, in particular elephants. Well, Ringling Brothers refused to quit using animals in the circus. They said that you can't have a circus without animals. As a result, they were tied up in court for 14 years. It cost them $26 million fighting the lawsuits. Eventually, they went out of business. And we know that a circus can be wildly successful because of Cirque du Soleil, Cirque du Soleil. and all of those things. So Ringling Brothers would not quit using animals in the circus. And for that reason, they are out of business today. So the idea behind this first step 
the cue quit quickly is that you need to recognize very fast when something is not working and give that thing up so that you can move on because you can't reposition yourself. You can't do something else that's going to get you where you want to be if you're continuing to hold on to the thing that's not working for you. And, and that's what Ringling Brothers did. You know, I really love that you pointed out in the beginning of this too, because I think a lot of times when we hear quit, automatically we think of like job or career, these types of things. So I like that you pointed out that it also applies to, you know, relationships and just our own personal beliefs and patterns that we get stuck in. But I want to let everyone know too, that you also point out in the book, a good reasons to quit, which is a nice bit of advice. So what do we have under you? So U is to understand negative emotions. And this is a big problem. The fact that there are these negative emotions that hold us back. So in other words, the reason why many people don't quit things that are not working for them is because of the emotional trauma associated with the idea of quitting. If you quit something, people are going to look at you as a loser. In other words, the word quit has become synonymous with loser. So therefore, there's an emotional tie that I can't let this thing go because I don't want someone to look at me in a, a negative manner. Now, there's also another issue surrounding this idea of letting things go as well. Um, there's a, an experiment, that they, that, uh, a study that was done, and this is called the Jigsaw Puzzle Study. In the Jigsaw Puzzle Study, they took two groups of people. The first group, they said, complete this puzzle until you're done. The second group, they said, complete this puzzle until you're done, except the second group, they interrupted. They did not let them finish the puzzle. The first group who had finished the puzzle, they were happy. They went on about their day. The second group who did not finish the puzzle, they thought about the puzzle twice as much as the first group who completed. What they concluded from that experiment is that the human brain is hardwired for completion. In other words, if you engage in an activity, and it doesn't matter if it's a relationship, it's a, it's a job, it's a bad habit, whatever it is, we are very reluctant to give that thing up because our brains want to complete tasks. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you're in a relationship and you, and you have to leave the guy or the girl because this is a bad relationship. It's just not working for you. But you still want to hold on to that. You want to cling to that. So what we learned from the, uh, puzzle, the uh, puzzle study is that if you can understand that these negative emotions exist, then you can better learn and understand how to navigate around them and move on with your life. Yeah, that's uh, interesting thing too, because hearing you say that, it reminds me of, you know, how a lot of people feel like they need closure or how we do. I mean, even myself with, you know, projects and things that I'm working on, I will drive myself nuts throughout a day if I know something's lingering that I feel like I didn't finish yet. So it's, it's really interesting how much, um, well, one, that study, but also how much pressure we put on ourselves to see things through. So... Mm-hmm. I have to ask you this before we get to the I, just in your working um, so closely with this and writing this book, has your relationship with quitting changed or shifted and how do you navigate that yourself now? I, I've never had a problem quitting things. Um, I recognize now I I didn't understand it in the terms that we're discussing now. Uh, In other words, I I didn't have a name for it. I I didn't know. And, And actually there's a technical name for the idea of quitting and the technical name 
for quitting is goal disengagement. So if, if you do research, if you look at studies, you will see a, a, a very large body of work discussing the idea of goal disengagement. And that simply means quitting. Uh, in other words, you give up one goal or you disengage from a goal and then you re-engage to something else. Uh, goal dis There's actually two components to goal disengagement. If you're going to quit something, you have to give up two things. Number one, you have to give up the effort. And number two, you have to give up the commitment. And mm. that's where the emotional problem comes in. We can give up the effort. In other words, you can quit the job. You can quit the person. You can quit whatever it is. But the emotional attachment is what the problem is. So if you're going to quit something successfully, you have to give up both the effort to the thing and the commitment to the thing. And the commitment is where we run into problems. And so that's really the key, right? So not just flat out quitting, but learning how to quit successfully and quitting in ways that really support you. And that is what you highlight in the book. And it's funny because that really is a great segue into I. So could you tell us what I stands for? The I stands for initiate new goals. So once you do give up something, you have to create new goals for yourself. In other words, you want to, it's going to be a lot easier. When, when I, the example I told you about my son. Now, my son actually eventually decided to re-enlist. So he decided to go ahead and stay in the Marine Corps. Uh, but I, I didn't know that at the time. But in any case, the I initiate new goals. When I was talking to him, what I said to him after I came to the realization, I should not be trying to tell him, that he should or should not stay in. I should be trying to help him understand or figure out what he wants to do with his life. What is his purpose for being? Why is he here on the planet? And if he figures that out, then he can, he'll have his answer, right? As far as what he should do. So, um, you know, in talking to him about that, um, I did recognize that if you're going to uh, quit something, you have to create new goals for yourself. So when we talked about, okay, what is it that you want to do? What, what, are you, what do you care about? What do you want to what do you be doing with your life? Um, once we started talking about that and he started thinking about what it is he wanted to do, then he started to create some goals and say, well, I want to do this. I want to do this and I want to do this. You know, where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in 10 years and so forth? Then he crystallized in his mind what he ought to be doing. And he was able to do that for himself simply because we went through that process. And once he figured out what he wanted to do with his life, then it became um, much easier. So I think the idea of initiating a new goal is very important because it's, if you give up, let's just take a job. For example, you mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. if you're going to quit a job, it's very difficult to leave that job, how, no matter how bad it is, no matter how stressful it is. However, if you have another job, no problems. Right. And it's the same with other things that you, that you need to quit. If you're going to quit something, if you can initiate a new goal for yourself, even if you haven't achieved it yet, just the initiation of the new goal helps you to move uh, in that direction. Yeah, I, I, what's coming up for me around what you shared too is how sometimes, again, when we think of quitting or something's uncomfortable, a lot of times we wait until there's that buildup and then we make a drastic change or a drastic decision. But even like in the example with your son, like 
how important it is to really step back and ask ourselves, what do we even want? Because that why is always going to be a great motivation for us to be very clear. Like, am I quitting this or am I not? So it kind of reminds me too of like um, the section of the book where you talk about eight good reasons. And again, coming back to quitting successfully, not just doing it willy nilly. Like there is a (laughs) formula to this in a way where it can support you. Okay. So how about T? T. The T is for transform, transform your behavior. So after you do decide what it is you need to give up because the thing is just not working for you and you go through that process, you free yourself from this emotional baggage that may be holding you back and then you initiate a new goal. Well, then you have to do something, right? You have to adjust your behavior. In other words, you can't keep doing the same thing that you did before that was not working. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to be successful, once you do quit the first thing and you try to engage yourself in the second thing, you're going to have to adjust your behavior, which could mean you may have to learn new things. You may have to create new networks. uh, You may have to uh, enlist new resources or or whatever it is that you need to do. But But in some ways, you're going to have to transform your behavior from what it was before. Uh, And and I'll tell you one thing, uh, one easy thing that most people can do to transform their behavior, and that is quit talking too much. Mm. Now, is that for like our self-talk or just like saying out loud, like repeating our stories? I'm, I'm saying that when most people talk a lot, we like to hear ourselves um, talk. And there's nothing wrong with that in certain situations. Uh, however, when you're talking, you are not learning. So like mm-hmm. I'm talking right now, I, I can't be learning something because I'm just saying what I already know. So it, if we stop talking so much, we can listen. Uh, most of the times when we engage in conversations, we're listening for, our, it's like, uh, remember when you used to jump double Dutch? I don't mm-hmm. yes. I don't. You may be too young for double Dutch. But. No, 42. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's like, you know, you're kind of like waiting for your turn, to get, waiting for your chance to get in, right? Mm-hmm. So that's how we do with conversations. You know, we're double Dutch. We're waiting for our chance to get in the conversation instead of listening to understand, listening to learn, listening to process the information. Uh, so I think that if we stop talking as much and we start actually listening to each other, um, that will go a long way with helping us uh, to be successful. You know, the interesting thing about this too is, again, I think a lot for a lot of us, we hear quit and it sounds like this hard line, abrupt thing, but in all that you're sharing, it really does sound like this process and like, uh, you know, uh, creating a clear plan for ourselves, which again, I think takes away that negative connotation of, you know, it's this bad, dirty thing where if you are stepping back and applying these principles that you've laid out, you're actually supporting yourself in a lot of ways and perhaps quitting will be the end result of transitioning into something else, but it's not just this standalone thing that you're doing. Right. Yeah, that's true. I I think what we've done as a society is we have actually taken the word quit, uh, this little simple four-letter word, Q-U-I-T. We've taken that word and we have imposed a negative um, meaning to the word quit. In other words, if you think about the word itself, quit, quit, the word is neither positive nor negative. I mean, it's neutral, right? It doesn't right. have any 
meaning other than to disengage from something. We have then said, if you quit something, you are a failure. So therefore, we have attached the negative meaning to the word. So my goal is to help society, help the world understand that the quitting is not a dirty word. It's not something that's bad. And in fact, if you want to be successful, you must master the art of quitting. And that goes back to your original question. That's why the book is called Quit the last principle of success, mm -hmm. because we do not think about it this way. But if we're able to quit things that don't work, re-engage to things that do work, we're going to add more success to our lives. And frankly, we're going to be happier and healthier. Yeah. I mean, you even share um, quite a few stories in the book of people that we recognize as famous, successful people and how they each had, um, different opportunities to quit or walk away from something where, I mean, not only was it to go after what they may have really felt called to do, but they had to take a risk. I mean, they, you know, it takes some trust and some faith and a lot of things to do that. But I think that again, like when you look at it from this different lens, it doesn't, you could see how supportive it can be. Right. Yeah, yeah, and that is true. And I, and I think that we as individuals, we, as humans, we value other people's opinions, mm -hmm. we value other people's perceptions of us. And we want those perceptions to be positive. And sometimes we value them too much. Uh, but in any case, so since we do have this desire for other people to think of us in a positive way, and since the notion of quitting has a negative connotation, it, they're kind of incongruent, right? We have a problem here is that we have things that don't work for us, but we won't give them up because of what people may think of us as quitters. That's why you come up with the term quit shaming, right. because we are actually shaming people. We're embarrassing people because they quit something. Nobody should be embarrassed because they quit a job. Nobody should be embarrassed because they quit a relationship that wasn't working. Nobody should be embarrassed because they quit a marriage that was toxic. I mean, it, it makes no sense, but, but we do that all the time. Yeah. And there was another thing too, another section in your book um, where you talk about rebooting goals and I mean, a few things that you say peppered throughout also remind me of Again, it's not always so drastic. Sometimes it's just, you know, reformatting or reframing or, you know, making tweaks to things so that we're not just stuck in the pattern of like, you know, bumping our head against the wall again and again and knowing when like, hey, this isn't working, <laughs> whatever it may be. And sometimes quitting is going back to again, like what you mentioned at the beginning, like changing our way or our beliefs or just our own personal patterns, which I think is huge for mm -hmm. all of us. I mean, no matter who you are, I mean, we've all have those things, those patterns and habits that just maybe we outgrow or don't fit us or whatever the case may be. Well, that's a good point because one of the things that causes us to have to quit something is our growth, our patterns of behavior, our seasons in life. In other words, um, one of the examples that I mentioned uh, earlier was, uh, let's say, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger, he, he started off in life, as in, in terms of his public life and, right. and his, his accumulation of wealth, as a bodybuilder. Well, he was a great bodybuilder, one of the best. But at some point, 
he's not going to be the top bodybuilder just because of time, right? right? And the things that happen to your physical body over time. So he had to quit bodybuilding. And what did he do? He said, hey, I'm going to quit. And then I'm going to re-engage to something else. And he became an, an action uh, movie star right. that worked great for him. But then at some point he got older again. He had, he couldn't be an action movie star. What did he do? He became a governor. So if we, we understand that we go through seasons in life, changes in life, those things force us to have to give up things. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times, I, you know, you, you see like men, uh, you know, looking like they, they are like older men trying to be something that they're not. Mm-hmm. It's because they can't give it up. It's like, okay, you know, that time has passed in your life. You have to give that thing up, but you did need to re-engage to something that's more age appropriate. Uh, so age is one of the things that causes us to have to quit uh, things. But there's other other reasons, obviously, as well. Um, sometimes you may quit things just because your priorities change. Right. You may quit things just because you're not interested in that uh, that pursuit, you know, any longer. And these are valid reasons why you, you may want to give up something. Yeah, it's uh, really interesting. It, it, as you're saying that, it makes me think of almost creating like a graph, like a pie graph, like you have the different areas of your life and considering like in each area, what doesn't work anymore? And what, how could you, you know, apply these principles to the different areas of your life to like, you know, rebalance or reconfigure things, let some things go, welcome some new things in. But I, that I, I'm going to do that for myself, actually. That, <laughs> what you just said is amazing. Uh, and that is exactly what we ought to be doing. Uh, because you're right. There is some things in various areas of your life that we do need to give up. Um, and I, I call those your quit list. Mm-hmm. So I have... Um, and, and the book that we're talking about now is, is my book, Quit, The Last Principle of Success, which just kind of um, identifies this, this idea about quitting. Uh, but I, uh, I just completed another book. It hasn't been released yet. Um, it, it's in the editing process now called the, um, called the uh, it, it's actually for black men. And the book is, um, it's called, let's see, I'm going to see if I have it right Okay. Here. Uh, oh no! Okay, so I don't have a I don't have a copy of it um, right now, but uh, but it is a book for um, for black man black men, and it's called the um, the black man's quit list. Uh, and in fact, it's called the superior black man's quit list because what the book does is it lays out things that men should quit so mm-hmm. that they can be better men, better fathers, better husbands. And then um, I have other books, which I haven't started yet, but um, I have a The Phenomenal Woman's Quit List. I have The Modern Manager's Quit List. So there are things in various areas of your life, as you mentioned, that we ought to be thinking about. We ought to be analyzing, reviewing, and things that we should be giving up. That's going to make us better. It's going to make us healthier. It's going to make us happier. 
Yeah. So, so I think that was a really good point that you just brought up. Thank you. Well, listen, it was inspired by your book. And I have to say, too, uh, one of the really cool things, and I'm not going to give it away, but at the end of the book, it was also really nice to see that there's a gift available to um, everyone who reads the book and applies these principles. And again, I mean, it's so fascinating to me. I think sometimes uh, even you think of this, like how this experience with your son inspired this idea and just to say the idea of quitting alone could sound so simple, but then because of how in depth you've allowed yourself to go and researching and consideration, you've come up with this whole formula to help us do it successfully. And it's kind of unbelievable when you think about it, right? Like where has this been all this time? Like how come no one has been talking about this? So um, I think it's definitely a very inspiring book and can help us again with no matter what it is we are struggling with or clinging to get those minds working. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Um, th- there's this young lady I know. Um, and I talk about her in the book as well. Um, her name is Nicole and Nicole lived out in, uh, or oh, she still does live out in Southern California. And she was married to this guy. You know, he was like this tall, handsome French guy. They owned a string of bakeries um, out there in California. And she, she had a baby one day. And now, her, now she Nicole was fat shamed, not only by people in her in her community, but her husband as well. Mm. Um, one day she, after she had her baby, she was sitting in the bed uh, in the bedroom. Her husband comes in, he reaches down, he lifts up the flap of skin, the excess skin after the delivery, and he says to his wife, "Do you think I could be attracted to that?" Wow. Now this obviously is a very toxic situation for Nicole, but she would not give up the marriage. And finally, she did get a divorce. But even after she got the divorce, she would not give up the business that she owned with the husband. And the reason she would, was reluctant to give up that business is because of this emotional attachment she had to this person. Mm-hmm. She could not, um, she probably, now she didn't say this, but I'm inferring that she probably had um, these negative ideas in her head about how people would view her if her marriage collapsed, right? She didn't want people to say, oh, you should have tried harder, or okay. you, you just didn't have enough faith, or you should have stuck, stuck in there, you know, those kinds of things. Um, so as a result, she continued to be in business with this guy for a long time, but eventually she gave up the business. When she gave up that business, she lost uh, all of the excess weight. Her self-esteem skyrocketed. She actually became a a successful author. Um, she, she now writes books and she is, she is amazing. And, but the reason is because she was able to give up that relationship. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to the idea of those two things that I mentioned earlier in terms of goal disengagement. One, you have to give up the effort. And two, you have to give up the commitment. She gave up the effort when she got the divorce, but she still didn't want to give up the commitment because she was committed to that guy, to that marriage. And, yeah. But once she did, once she was able to free herself, she, she you know, okay, her life, her entire life changed. Nope, completely understand that. It's uh, interesting, I'm sure, a lot of the listeners, because a lot of people who listen do energy work. So a lot of what you're talking to about also speaks to um, what we talk about a lot on the show, like these energetic connections that we have and how they impact us. And just because someone may be physically 
out of our lives or we walk away from the job that we quit. If we haven't let go of the commitment or the emotional attachment, it's as if we didn't let go entirely. We didn't quit entirely and it still has a significant influence and impact on us. So it's uh, funny too, having this conversation, I'm like, oh, wow. Like I can't wait to see what you do publish next and what um, kind of comes as an extension off of this book because it does, again, obviously spark a lot of thought. Um, yeah, the, the book, that, like I said, that I just completed, The Superior Black Man's Quit List, mm-hmm. it actually is a book that um, talks about how black men. So we, we have this thing in the black, I don't know, oh, do we still have time? Yes. Oh, so we have this thing um, in the black community uh, for black men where uh, black men are very macho. Uh, so we, we in, in fact, uh, bad boys is the way to go, right? So we cling to these ideas. In other words, chivalry is something that went away long ago. So now when, when you go, if, if you're a man and you're dating a woman, you pull up to her house, you don't go to her door and ring the doorbell. You just text her and say, I'm outside. Well, now I don't know if this works for other people, but it does not sound reasonable to me. I, you know, I'm married, so I, I don't date, but I have daughters. And my daughter's date. Some guy pulls up to the house and beeps his horn or texts and says, I'm outside. That's not cool for me. It's mm-hmm. like, dude, come in the house, right? You know, ring the doorbell. Let me see you. Uh, so so the, the book, the black, the um, superior black man's quit list is designed to help black men uh, through this idea that chivalry is not dead, that chivalry is a great thing. Um, so it talks about how uh, the, the things that uh, we should quit as men, that's going to help us be a superior man. In other words, you're going to be better uh, right. than you are. You're going to be better than the, your neighbor. Uh, so there's a lot of things on that list that, uh, that, that uh, men ought to do. And uh, that, that's what uh, I'm working on now. That should be really interesting because I just wonder even like, you know, with different generations and, um, uh, you know, I think because you're mentioning uh, black men and I don't know, maybe you don't come across this as much in Chicago, but uh, in, you know, I am originally from DC and then, you know, some cities, there's more, it's interesting because people tend to think bigger cities, people aren't as engaging or as polite. But what I found is like when I go to DC, more people do speak to each other. Even if it's just like, hi, how you doing? Like people do kind of interact. But um, here in Southern California where uh, there are less black people in certain areas, when you see another black person, you tend to, it's like, it's a hot, you know, you acknowledge each other and it's a thing but with the younger generations it seems that's fading out and some of my friends and I we always joke about it like why did they not get the memo like how what (laughs) these younger generations are missing out on things that you know have been passed down to us and that we do whatever but yeah so you talking about this book it reminds me of that and thinking of how a lot of um not a tradition but just old values, older, you know, things that have been passed down are starting to fade away. So it'd be really interesting to see uh, what that inspires and in people to have that reinstilled, I guess. 
Right. Well, one of the things that you, you made me think of when you were just talking, uh, like, you know, you walking down the street, you see another black person and you kind of, you know, give them the nod or the way. Right. Um, and that, that does happen with younger people. I'm afraid that they don't do that. They don't even talk to each other when they're sitting in the same room. They sure. could be in the car together. And the one person on the back seat is texting the person on the front seat. Mm-hmm. So it, it is a different mindset in terms of, um, of, of communication. Right. Now we recognize that humans need, you know, the, the interaction with each other to be healthy, to be whole. Uh, but for some reason, you know, the technology, they're more into the technology. So they won't look up from the phone to speak to the other person, but they will gladly text with the other person who's right. sitting right next to them. Uh, that's a little weird. So, of course, I say quit doing that. <laughs> right. I was going to say just another <laughs> another area where we could apply these principles, right? Look at that area of your life communication. Like, how well are you doing it? And what may you have as a habit that is inhibiting your communication and having that communal connection? Mm-hmm. Listen, I feel like you can have like a whole quit map. <laughs> everything. Yeah. When I do mine, I'll, I'm definitely going to reach out to you. And maybe I'll send you a picture and see what you think of it. Absolutely. That would be, that would be wonderful. I, I would appreciate that. Yeah. I, I'm definitely going to share that. So one of the things um, I do want to make sure to ask you before we do wrap up today is, I mean, you've shared so many beautiful nuggets and again, very inspiring conversation. But when you think about this book and the body of work, and what is the overall message, if there is one, that you really hope people get from this? There is one. Um, In fact, you can boil everything down to one very simple message. And Mm -hmm. that is that you, as in the audience, Mm -hmm. you should feel free to quit anything that doesn't work for you. And that's the bottom line. So I don't want people to feel that somehow they, they're reluctant to quit things. They're reluctant to give up things because of what society is going to think of them. Right. So as far as I'm concerned, quit as much as you need to. Um, in fact, the most successful people quit fast and they quit often. Yeah. I remember you saying that in the, uh, last conversation that we had. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Quit fast and quit often. But I mean, again, like you said, I mean, it's kind of comes down to like, how much of your precious time do you waste clinging to something that really isn't serving you and maybe causing you a lot of stress? Mm-hmm. You know what? We even have laws. And, and if you think about wealthy, rich, successful people, they understand this, this concept. We even have laws designed for to help rich and wealthy people quit and they're called bankruptcy now people who are are millionaires and billionaires they quit businesses all the time and what do they do they file bankruptcy poor people we are very reluctant why because it's it's embarrassing we're it's we're shamed into not quitting because if we have a business if we have debts or other obligations or whatever it is and i'm not saying that people should go out and file bankruptcy (laughs) i'm just making a point that we actually have laws that rich 
and wealthy people use so that they can quit businesses that don't work. Poor people, we won't do it because we're embarrassed. And, and this is a problem. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I th- it goes back to even what you said before too. I mean, the fear of even, you know, like what will happen on the other side of something complete, like if this is my only option. I think that's a thing too, I guess um, that ties in with the quitting is a, a lot of times we can't see any other option. Mm-hmm. And there are people who are maybe uh, less resistant to quitting knowing that there are so many options and solutions available to them. Like, why wouldn't I quit? There's so many other choices I have available, right? You, you know, uh, again, you make another excellent point. We see this play out, what you just said, when you read something as simple as reading a book, watching a movie. I don't know how many times people go into a theater, they pay their 10 bucks to see the movie. They with their date. They watch the movie. They recognize 15, 30 minutes into the movie, this is the worst movie in history. But what do they do? They can't get up and leave the movie because they've already paid for the movie. They got to stay. So now you wasted your money and you're going to waste some more time by sitting here another hour. Same thing if you're reading a book. You don't have to finish every book you read. Now, I'm an avid reader and I believe in reading. But if the book is not working, if the book is not good, if the book is not insightful, if it's not doing what it's supposed to do, if it's not well-written, why should you continue? Why should you spend another two weeks of your life reading this book? Toss it to the side. Get another book. There are literally hundreds of thousands of books that you can read. Why should you keep reading this one book? And I'll tell you why. Because of the emotional problems. We don't want people to say, oh, you know, you didn't read, you didn't finish reading. Or somebody said, oh, did you finish reading the book? It's embarrassing because you didn't finish reading the book. Mm-hmm. That's the emotional stigma attached to the concept of quitting. And even something as simple as watching a movie, reading a book, these are things that uh, people should feel free. Feel free to walk out of that d- disaster of a movie. I like it. I'm thinking too, even you saying the word free, I'm like, yeah, feel free to try new things. Feel free to, you know, like just stretch a little bit further. Feel free in all of this, right? Because on the other side of quitting, there is this like some type of freedom, freedom to make a new choice. Mm -hmm. You know what? My my, um, wife, she used to tell me, she doesn't do this as much now. She'll still do it sometimes, but not as often. But she used to tell me that I don't finish things. Um, and I said to her long time ago, I've been married like 32 years. Right. So I said to her, I said that, well, the reason why I quit so many things is because I do so many things. See, and that's one of the things about people who are quitters, quitters do more things. So if you do more things, if you, if you do 20 things and you quit 10 of those things, you still did 10 things. On the other hand, if you do three things and you quit none of them, you still only did three things. So people who quit can free themselves from things that are not engaging for them, and then they can reposition themselves to things that are engaging. And that's what we ought to be doing. I'm telling you, you're going to be happier, you're going to be healthier, and you're going to be more successful. And that comes right back to your quote, to feel free to disengage from what no longer fits. Uh, Absolutely. That's a good one. Dr. Stanley, I can't thank you enough for coming and sharing this information. And I want everyone to know, of course, the links to buy Quit 
The last principle of success will be in the show notes, but they can also go on Amazon and look it up, purchase it there. And like I mentioned before, there is a little gift at the end. Um, And I will also put how to reach you in the show notes, but could you let us know what the best website is to learn more about you and your work? Yeah, my website is thequitdoctor.com. So very easy, very simple. Uh, all the words are spelled out, D-O-C-T-O-R, thequitdoctor.com. Yes. So I thank you so much for being here again, and hopefully we'll see you again when your next books are published. All right. Thank you, Yolanda. I appreciate it. I have had a ball, and it's been a blast, and I appreciate <laughs> you having me on. Thank you. Goodbye, everyone. Okay, so I want to thank Dr. Stan again for coming and sharing his insights with us. If you want to learn more about his work, visit thequitdoctor.com or you can find him on Instagram also under the handle thequitdoctor. And doctor is spelled out D-O-C-T-O-R, thequitdoctor. And I also wanted to remind you all that we have the full moon in Scorpio coming up this weekend. And, you know, this is a big one for transformation. Um, You may be feeling the effects already, some things coming to the surface, new revelations, or maybe information from your past coming up to be revisited and um, dealt with in a different way. So whatever's coming up for you, if you want more information about the energy of the month, you can access my free creating with the moon and stars download by going to my website theenergeticalchemist.com sign up for the newsletter get access to that as well as 22 days of transformation and while you're on the website if you are interested in coming to the medical reiki training in san diego in october all of that information is on the home page of my website as well So again, thank you so much to Dr. Stan, and for all of you, remember to always journey in love.